Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, June 27th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer, Wydran Bowie. Hey, everyone. Okay, so we have a bunch of news to get to today. One news story actually just broke that uh, Henry Cavill and Millie Bobby Brown have been cast in a... Sherlock Holmes spinoff? Is that is that what it is, HD? That's pretty accurate. Uh, this is a film called Enola Holmes that's going to be under Legendary. And it's based off of the Nancy Springer children's book series, The Enola Holmes Mysteries, which follows Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes' younger sister, Enola. So um, this, I guess technically, the technical word would be spinoff because it's not a Sherlock Holmes story. It's about this younger uh, character played by Millie Bobby Brown. Henry Cavill will be playing uh, the the famous Sherlock Holmes. There's no um, news on who will be playing Mycroft, but Helena Bonham Carter will be on board to play Enola's mother. And I guess by extent, Sherlock's mother? Maybe they're from different moms. I don't really know much about this series, but um, the series ca- became uh, came around first with the 2006 book, The Case of the Making- Missing Marquess, and has covered six novels, which all revolve around mysteries investigated by Enola. Wait a second. So if this isn't written by Arthur Conan Doyle, is this actual canon? Or Sherlock Holmes, is that public domain? Apparently, Sherlock Holmes is in public domain. Uh, the copyright for Conan Doyle's works expired in the UK and Canada at the end of 1980, was revived again in 1996, but expired again at the end of 2000. And all of his works are now in public domain in those territories. In the US, everything before 1923 are in public domain, um, which explains why there are just so many Sherlock Holmes adaptations and remakes and series Speaking of, I just discovered upon looking this up that there is an Italian-Japanese anime series from 1984 called Sherlock Hound, which uh, was co-directed by Hayao Miyazaki. <laughs> and you haven't seen this? I've never seen it, but I'm not surprised he co-directed something like this because I, I think Miyazaki always had a fascination with um, 
Sherlock Holmes. He has some sort of that imagery in his films like uh, Parco Rosso. But uh, this is something I need to check out. So what is your history with Sherlock Holmes? Do you, have you seen many of the, the movies or read any of the books? I have read, I think, two of the stories by Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, I can't remember which. I think it was The Hounds of Baskervilles. Is that right? Yes. And then I've also seen the BBC uh, Sherlock series, which sets this the story in modern day. Also, I have seen Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century, the animated series <laughs> that aired on the WB, I think, or maybe it was Fox Kids back in the early 2000s. And it was actually quite good. I still remember the theme song. But the real question is, have you seen Sherlock Gnomes? I you know, I haven't gotten a chance to see that yet. I, I haven't either. So we're probably better off, I'm assuming. Um, but this is interesting. Um, I, I mean, I like Henry Cavill. I like Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, I not, I'm not sure if I need more Sherlock Holmes movies. Like, do do we need more? Probably not. But we're going to keep getting more because he is in public domain. Um, I get the feeling though that this will be more along the lines of a Nancy Drew type of series because it does center around a young female protagonist uh, played by Millie Bobby Brown, and I kind of. It's probably more uh, geared towards that younger demographic, and Sherlock will just pop in and out like um, Batman or something. <laughs> Batman. Okay. <laughs> uh, bad comparison, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to another uh, casting story. This one is actually pretty interesting. Paul Rudd is joining the Ghostbusters universe in the new movie. The I, I guess it's like the third Ghostbusters film. It's going to be called Ghostbusters 2020. Brad, what is going on here? Yeah, for now, it seems like the movie is called Ghostbusters 2020, uh, which makes sense since that's when the movie comes out. I, I feel like that probably won't end up being the final title just because it doesn't seem like a good title for a, a third Ghostbusters movie that follows the first two. Brad, um, Brad just, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so excited to see Spider-Man Far From Home 2019. Uh, that's a good point, actually. I, I, what's weird to me, actually, is even though 2020 is next year, Ghostbusters 2020 as a, a title still sounds like something that takes place in the distant future, where like the Ghostbusters have spaceships and stuff. Do, do you um, think young kids think that, or do you think we think that because that just seems like a futuristic date to us? Yeah, yeah, because for the longest time in the you know the the 80s and 90s, any date like that was like after. 2010 was such a far off like oh man what crazy things are, are gonna be like after that <laughs> yeah do you think this is actually gonna be called ghostbusters, ghostbusters 2020 or do you think this is still like a placeholder title I, th- I think it's a placeholder and if anything i think that's probably just what they're calling it behind the scenes and it, that's what everyone will be referring to at it for a while uh we'll, we'll see you know I, I don't know it's it's still pretty early i haven't even started shooting yet yeah um but but yes yeah, so paul rudd uh is joining the cast um variety got the news first and then very quickly the official ghostbusters uh account on twitter and jason reitman himself posted a video of paul rudd uh at the actual ghostbusters firehouse in new york city and it's just paul rudd being paul rudd having a good time uh saying that he was so excited about joining the movie that he slimed himself uh, standard Paul Rudd stuff, and uh, the good news is is that we know he's playing a teacher in the movie. Uh, we didn't get a character name or how he ties into the story, mostly because we don't really know what the story is at this point. But presumably, he will have interactions with uh, either uh, Finn Wolfhard or McKenna Grace, or both of them, since they're both uh, young stars in the movie and presumably have to go to school and that kind of thing. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much all we know right now. So do uh, do we think Paul Rudd is going to be related <laughs> to any of the original Ghostbusters? I doubt it. Um, the Jason Reitman has hinted that the the new main characters have some kind of connection to the original Ghostbusters, but he did uh, he said that they don't know it yet. The characters don't know it yet. Um, so I guess there's a chance that Paul Rudd could be, but I feel like the connection to the original Ghostbusters will come from the main characters. And Paul Rudd's role is probably just more of like a maybe a mentor role or someone who encourages the kids, you know, in their their exploits. Okay, interesting. We're going to have to keep our eye on this one. Uh, Moving on, let's talk about this. Uh, They have announced a Hello Kitty movie uh, penned by the screenwriter of Transformers The Last Night. This sounds like a bad idea. It probably is. But I have an argument in favor of it. So uh, this is a uh, film by New Line, which will adapt the Sanrio brand Hello Kitty into a feature film. We're not sure if it's live action or animated yet. But the argument I have in favor of this is that Agretsuko, the Netflix series also based off of another Sanrio property, is legitimately great. And this could potentially follow that uh, show's lead and deliver something that's funny, insightful, somewhat profound in some senses. And um, Hello Kitty might have more of a recognition. It's a very ubiquitous uh, character that appears on everything from school supplies, clothes, backpacks, what, whatever you have it. But um, even that recognizability doesn't make uh, doesn't mean it won't make a good movie. Look at the Lego Movie, for example. So. Uh, Agretsuko fangirl here is saying, you know, don't brush it aside completely. Do, do you think it's just going to be about Hello Kitty or do you think also her other friends? Like she has all these like other creature friends, cute creature friends. Mm. I don't know yet. There are no plot details yet yeah. for this movie. Uh, well, the fun thing about Hello Kitty is that it technically isn't a kitty. Uh, it's envisioned <laughs> as a perpetual third grade student who lives outside of London. And it looks like a kitty, but... Not one, apparently, according to its backstory. So perhaps it'll. I don't really know where I'm going with this. Just uh, that's uh, some backstory context uh, for this potential film. Uh, whatever uh, Lindsay Beer, the writer of Transformers Last Night and the upcoming YA film Chaos Walking, will make of it. See, until you mentioned that there's the possibility of it being a live action film, that didn't even come into my mind. I just assumed this was going to be animated. And now I'm just picturing like a terrifying. Like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog type creation. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds really bad, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess they could, it could be as cute as like Pikachu and Detective Pikachu. So you never know. Could go either way. Okay, let's talk about Star Trek. Uh, the new series Star Trek Picard has engaged a official showrunner for the series. Brad, what do we know? Yes, uh, Star Trek Picard is uh, on the way. And even though it was initially said that the series wouldn't have a full-fledged showrunner, but would instead be managed by an entire team, uh, the CBS All Access and the show's producers have hired Michael Shabon as the official showrunner. Um, if you don't who know who Michael Shabon is, uh, he is an award-winning novelist. Um, he's written a couple of very popular books, including Wonder Boys and The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. The last one being... Uh, a book that was has been adapted into a screenplay that has been uh, on like one of on, on several lists of like the best unproduced screenplays. They they're constantly trying to turn it into a movie, but apparently it's just 
very difficult to to make it happen. Um, and he also wrote a draft of Spider-Man 2 a while back, but not much of what he wrote for that script actually made it into the final movie. Uh, but Shabon is uh, apparently a big Star Trek fan. And uh, with the news, he said, quote, Star Trek has been an important part of my way of thinking about the world, the future, human nature, storytelling, and myself since I was 10 years old. I come to work every day in a state of joy and awe at having been entrusted with the character and the world of Jean-Luc Picard with this vibrant strand of the rich, intricate, and complex tapestry that is Trek. So uh, this is great news. I mean, when you have a writer uh, like Shaban who is so good uh, on the page, that's really who you want to guide a series like this. Uh, especially one that has, you know, such a a mixture of complex and interesting characters as Star Trek. Uh, so, I'm I'm definitely um, more interested to see this because uh, even though I'm not a huge Trek fan, Picard has always been uh, one of my favorite characters to follow uh, in the series. So uh, I I'm definitely interested to see how this turns out. Yeah, I haven't read any of Michael's books, but I am a fan of Star Trek: uh, The Next Generation and Picard as a character. So I'm I'm interested to see where this goes, and this might actually get me to re-up my uh, CBS All Access subscription, which I you know subscribed when Star Trek Discovery came out, and after watching a few episodes, we kind of canceled that. So um, maybe this can get me to become an actual subscriber once again. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Final Fantasy. They are making a television series based on the popular video game HG. What do we know? So Sony Pictures TV and Hivemind, which is the production company behind Amazon's The Expanse and Netflix's upcoming series The Witcher, are teaming up to develop the very first live-action Final Fantasy TV series. Um, It won't be based on any of the most popular games of the franchise. As you know, there isn't just one Final Fantasy. There are, I think up to 15 now. Um, And so this series will be adapting the world of Final Fantasy XIV, which uh, the 14th installment of this franchise was initially released in 2010 to infamously poor reception. It was uh, uh, then re-released in 2013 as an MMORPG, A Realm Reborn, with new expansions that came out in the preceding years, including the latest ones, uh, latest one in 2019, which uh, basically just enriched and expanded the world um, exponentially. So this series will be based um, in the world of A. Eorzea, and uh, this will follow an original story exploring, quote, the struggle between magic and technology in a quest to bring peace to a land in conflict. There are no other plot details as of now, but the uh, press release promises the iconic hallmarks of the franchise, including beastmen, airships, chocobos, which are the adorable sort of creatures that you can often ride on that kind of look like giant chickens. Um, and uh, <laughs> the live action debut of Sid, who is a character who has appeared in almost every iteration of Final Fantasy. Now, do we think that Final Fantasy can translate into a live action TV series. I feel like I don't know. I I've only seen that that movie, that CGI movie where like everybody looked like zombies. Uh, that's Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within, the 2001 uh, feature film, and Square Enix, the video game franchise, uh, 
developers first attempted foray into a big uh, feature film that would make it to theaters. It was a big box office bomb and uh, nearly killed their big screen dreams. But uh, there is actually a better uh, film later on that was uh, much better made called Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. It was a sequel to the very popular game Final Fantasy VII. And um, so... There is storytelling. Wait, wait, wait a second. Um, the potential. movie was called Final Fantasy VII: Advent Children, but there weren't six movies before that. This was just because it was in the same world as the video game Final Fantasy VII. Yes, that's very. Confusing. It's all very. It's all very confusing. The titling in this is confusing, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I also wonder the same thing, whether Final Fantasy Worlds can be translated into live action just because they're so uh, fantastical and they're so just jam-packed with these intricate details that look good in a video game but would just kind of look very awkward or um, bad in live action. But uh, I actually I also don't really know much about Final Fantasy XIV. Um, each Final Fantasy game has a different approach to this fantasy world. Sometimes they're a bit more modern and they show a slightly more sci-fi dystopic approach. Others are more along the lines of a high fantasy. So high fantasy for sure could make that that leap to a live action TV series. The sci-fi ones might have more trouble just because they would probably look very clunky in a live action setting. And um, you also have to account for the uh, amount of spiked hair that's in, with all the characters. <laughs> spiked hair. But, Wait, yeah. is Final Fantasy also the one with the people that have, like, the swords that are bigger than yes, themselves? they have the giant swords. You're thinking about Cloud in Final Fantasy VII. He's a, a very famous character, and they do indeed have giant swords. Um, they're probably the most akin to anime. They have very similar stylings. Uh, but what's interesting is that they, the character designs are actually, a lot of them are based in streetwear, like Japanese streetwear and high fashion and couture. Uh, and it's kind of that blending of um, traditional high fantasy with that streetwear, which makes it so unique, but definitely would make it very odd to see in a live action form. Well, I'm interesting to see what that would look like in live action. I think it would look pretty ridiculous. It maybe, probably maybe, would. Maybe as ridiculous as Hello Kitty in live action. But <laughs> um, okay, let's talk. Uh, Tom Holland is out doing press for Spider-Man: Far From Home, and we had heard when Spider-Man: Into the Spider-Verse was released that there was originally a, like a cameo appearance from Tom Holland Spider-Man in that movie that was that didn't happen. Uh, and now that he is out doing press, he has told us a little bit more about what what it, what had been originally pla- planned. Uh, Brad, what do we know? Yeah, well, so one of the early versions of the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse screenplay actually wanted to have Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland all appear as their own versions of Spider-Man, uh, being one of the many different versions of the Spider-Verse that is out there. Um but it never actually came together. They didn't want to make the idea more confusing than it already was, since general audiences aren't entirely familiar with the concept of multiple Spider-Men from multiple dimensions. So, uh, wait a second. So, like, so, so they were afraid of people not understanding that the other Spider-Men were in the same universe, but they're okay understanding there's like a Spider-Man, Spider-Man noir. Well, I mean, early on, they like. I feel like that this it was just would have been even more because those Spider-Men are already established and yeah. it's just 
it's a little it's a little bit different, you know. Like I, I just think that it adds an extra layer of something something weird to something that you already have to try to you know understand if it's the first time you're ever hearing about it. Fair enough. Yeah, but but uh, it sounds like that. Um, this, even though that that scene didn't make the cut, that they they still wanted to do something with Tom Holland because. Uh, in a recent interview, he, he said, quote, at one point I was supposed to be in it. There was going to be another Peter Parker. It was a scene in a train station or something. It was going to be like an Easter egg. Uh, I was going to walk through the background and say, like, hey, kid, or something. Uh, but he said, never happened. Heartbroken. So th- to me, this doesn't seem like it would have been the same scene that would have included Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Because him saying that it was like an Easter egg almost makes it seem like it was just a voice cameo where it would be like, oh, that's Tom Holland. Uh, rather than having a full-fledged scene involving those three live-action Spider-Men, um, so but like it didn't happen. It, I think it would have been cool uh, if it did. I think that maybe now that they have established the Spider-Verse, there's potential for maybe to do something like that in the next movie. Now that people are on board with the concept and understand how it all works, so that's that's my hope anyway. I'd like to see that. I mean, I could see like a Spider Verse three if, if if that series even becomes that popular, where we actually get those Spider Men to team up together. That would be kind of cool. Um, but will we ever get that? I don't know. Uh, Spider Man Far From Home premiered last night. Uh, Ht, you did a review for the site. Uh, I just wanted to plug your review. What, what did you think? This is a really fun romp of a movie that is a much needed breath of fresh air after the soul crushing grief and depression of Avengers Endgame, but also works as a way of grappling with the legacy of the past 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe by way of a classic Spider-Man identity crisis. And while this is set on a much larger scale, this is a jet-setting, globe-hopping film that takes place in three European cities, uh, as well as briefly in New York, it tells a much more intimate story than you would expect. It tells, of course, of the the almost um, uh, necessary story of Peter Parker being torn between his personal and love life and uh, his professional duties as a superhero and now as Tony Stark's chosen um, successor. And this is something that he struggles with throughout the movie. Uh, the film itself is really pleasant and really fun. Um, quite funny, too. This is a much funnier movie than I anticipated. There's a lot of jokes, not all of which land, but um, many of which it's kind of throw, uh, thrown off rapid fire. And uh, it's really fun. But um, I think that the the big scope of this film both helps and hinders it. The international setting, while it kind of enriches this the story and puts it on this big world stage, uh, it sometimes feels a bit redundant. A lot of the plot lines that could have been cut um, and that the fat that could have been trimmed in this film were parts of that sort of Euro trip uh, shenanigans that happened. And uh, it made the film feel a little bit overlong in some senses. But Tom Holland is really great. He's such a star in this film. He is just an energizer bunny of a performer. And um, Jake Gyllenhaal, too, knocks it out of the park. He is fantastic as Mysterio. I can't go fully into the details of his character, but he's very dashing, but he is also great at playing the more enigmatic parts. Um, 
and he dips a bit into his uh, character acting bag that he, we've seen with his more erratic performances in, uh, for example, Okja or Nightcrawler. So, it, but much more toned down. But that was really fun to see. And there's a little bit of social commentary in this film as well, which I enjoyed. But yeah. I would say that um, overall, it's a more it's a very pleasant film and kind of helps establish the Spider-Man films as like, the nicest films in the, the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Uh, but I wouldn't say it's as good as Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, it doesn't have just that um, that more emotional pull that Homecoming had and uh, doesn't have that grounded um, benefit that it had either. I feel like at the end when you see Spider-Man swing through New York again, you kind of feel that feeling of relief, like, wow, he's back where he belongs. The European parts are fun, but they almost felt a little bit redundant. Yeah, I, I saw this at the premiere last night. I'll, I'll go more into this in the water cooler next week. But I, I basically agree with everything you said here. You can read HT's full review. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, and you can find it on the site, slash from the com. Uh, one last story before we go. We have some casting for Marvel's The Eternals. Who is joining the team, HT? So Salma Hayek, who can recently be seen in films like The Hitman's Bodyguard and How to Be a Latin Lover, is reportedly in talks to join the cast of The Eternals in a role that is being kept under wraps. We don't know any details about this movie, and we know even less now except for that Salma Hayek is apparently in talks, and uh, she would be starring opposite Richard Madden, Kamal Nanjani, and possibly Angelina Jolie, who has uh, not yet confirmed her discussions with uh, Marvel for this film. And this is the um, film set to be directed by Chloe Zhao, who directed the critically acclaimed film The Writer. Um, it's based off the characters created by Jack Kirby in 1976 and follows the um, near-mortal beings known as the Eternals, who uh, must do battle with cosmic beings called the Celestials. Yeah, and it looks like this cast is turning up to be quite diverse. Um, I'm sure Comic-Con's coming up uh, later next month, and I'm sure we'll be getting some announcements there in terms of what this movie is and who's involved. So look forward to that. Uh, but that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.